Welcome back. It's the guys with the faces for radio and the voices for a silent movie. This is Sports and More with Chris and Tom. I am Chris. And I am Tom. And boy, do we have an episode for you today. Yes, and we actually have a title for the episode ready to go this time. We did. The Goat, the Boat, and the Matote. That's all the one you're getting. We're not going to go into what that means just yet. Just sit back and be ready for that topic. You will find out soon enough, so just hold your horses or your goats. <laughs> but first, you have to get your 2020 MLB season update. And first with the standings, here we go. You have the New York Bankies at, in first in the AL East, the Minnesota Twins in first in the AL Central, and the Oakland A's have surpassed the Houston Nationals for first in the AL West. Let's go A's. <laughs> Love to see that. Yeah. The Miami Marlins are done with their COVID benching. They're still in first the NL East at six and one. Yes, you heard that right. Six and one, the Miami Marlins. That's just, crazy. Yeah, just whatever. The Cubs lead the NL Central at, at 10 and three with a six and a half game lead over the Brewers. Yes, I said six and a half game lead. Who's calling it for this year? Yeah. I knew it. I, I, I think. I think you have that one. I'm. It's too early, but you might it's have It's too that early one. to tell. Let's not jinx anything, but I feel good about it. Felt good from the start. I'm not going to say anything else. Yeah. And you have the Rockies still in first in the NL West with a half game lead over the LA Dodgers. What the heck are the Rockies doing? I don't know. But everybody else wants to drink that Kool-Aid. Yeah, I don't know what's happening there, but – Let's, after looking at the standings, we also need to remind you of where our NLB 2020 draft is going so far. And Tom should be pretty happy about this. I am pretty happy about it. So we already talked about the Cubs. Cubs are in first place in the NL Central. I'm just going to give a quick on the uh, update on the home runs. We have Aaron Judge coming up into the lead yep. for home runs in 13. He has seven home runs in 13 games. He had. Yep. A stretch of five homers over five games, was it, this past week? Insane. He just went on a tear. And then we have uh, Nick Castellanos from the Reds with six game, or six home runs in 14 games. Um, and then a bunch of fives and fours beyond that. But Aaron Judge helping out my cause. He is. He's on pace for 32-ish home runs right now, and Cassian's is on pace for 26. So your odds have gone down, but Drudge is on pace to easily break it because now you only have like two or three guys on pace to break the, to break it, but that's still better than none. Hey, I'm still holding out for Mike Trout. I mean, he was on paternity leave, has that dad power now. <laughs> um, I mean, he's got himself into the four-homer category over nine games, so – We'll see. We'll see if he can uh, pull it out uh, over, over the long run. Um, I know those sleepless nights at home probably aren't helping, though. No, they're probably not. And your other prediction is the NL Battery World Service DH has yet to happen, but <laughs> that one was more of a is a, a winky dink, as it were, if it were to happen. That would be nice if it happens, but, uh, you know, that'll be a gift if it does, really, honestly. It's uh, – just, just wondering, just wanted to happen. Mm -hmm. I want yeah. it. May not happen, but you know, we'll see. 
Yeah, so my takes are more or less in progress, as it were. They're, none of them are in closing points. We have not had a no-hitter, but we've had, had five complete games, and Trevor Bauer just picked a shutout, so we're getting closer. Maybe it's going to happen soon. Pitchers <laughs> are in good form this early on in the season, which is good to see. Mm-hmm. So, no, there, there's hope for you yet. Yeah. Uh, the Astros have been beamed nine times in 12 games, so they're getting closer to being one for one in games and hit by pitches, so they're better than they were last week. So keep hitting the Astros. Keep hitting the Astros. <laughs> Just remember, there's a lot on the line here, folks. Yes. Five-minute, no snarky comment, no all nice things to say about the green and gold team from yeah. the North yeah. in and the I- NFL. Yeah, I got just one more, and that's the we will have a 40 loss team. And thanks to the Pittsburgh Pirates, who are three and ten on pace to lose 46 games right now. <laughs> I just every you time hate, I, you hate to see it, but oh, I mean, you would love to see that at this point, oh, just for the oh, sake yeah. of this. Oh, yeah. What's on the line here? Every time I look at the stands, I just keep chanting like in space balls with dark helmet, suck, suck. Suck. <laughs> oh boy. So yeah, Tom is looking pretty. I'm holding out hope that I get a no-no at this point to to help me out, and that the and the pictures just start beaming Astros left, right, and center. Just take the suspensions. Hashtag free Joe Kelly. No, oh, yeah. And also from last week's episode, we gave you an update about the XFL auction. Well, we have an owner, as we showed you on our Facebook page. We have The Rock. Danny Garcia and Jerry Cardinal of Cardinal Investments have acquired the XFL. For a measly $15 million. It is official as of, I believe it was around 11 o'clock Eastern time. So it is officially the Rocks and his team's ownership. So I'll give you a quick detail about some of these people. So those of you who don't know who they are, know who they are. The Rock, former WWE wrestler and current Hollywood icon. If you don't know who he is, you live in the woods with no TV, internet, or human contact. In fact, no, how are you listening, listening to listening this to episode? This <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so how are you listening to this if you have no TV, internet, or human contact? I mean, you pretty much cannot turn on the TV or um, go online without seeing The Rock somewhere. He's yeah. involved in so many things. And so for him to get involved with the XFL, I mean, that that's just – Awesome, because it, it seems like um, from a business perspective and from Hollywood's side of things and a lot of the movies that he's been involved with, he's had a lot of success recently mm-hmm. with a lot of things that he's put his hands in. So I think this is another thing that he's really personally invested in, given how uh, um, he used to play football, mm-hmm. uh, played for University of Miami, um, and then before uh, going to WWE, had um, NFL aspirations. So he personally wants to see this happen for the guys that are in the league to have a second chance at football. So um, I think personally he he's going to try to put as much as he can into it. I agree. Uh, and also his connection to Vince McMahon also helps, which right. is there was a hiccup on Thursday where the creditors were saying that it shouldn't be bought by The Rock because they were assuming he was going to sell the team right back to Vince McMahon. Turns out that's not the case, so we're all good to go. Thank you, 
God. <laughs> <laughs> and I think part of the, the protection with that is being part of an investor group. Yeah. So that The Rock is not buying this himself to then right. just turn around and sell. He is part of an investor group. So he he, he didn't pay the full $15 no. million, although we all know that he probably could have paid that in the cash that he had sitting in his rolls or one of those 100 cars that he probably has. But yeah. still. He uh, he's part of a, a group which which is good given how much how many other things he is involved with. There's a lot of people who can handle the business side of this now. Yep, uh, Danny Garcia. The other partner is The Rock's ex-wife, who's a professional bodybuilder and TV and movie producer, and she's part of The Rock's um, actual business team. So she and he still have a great relationship. So that's a good sign. It's not going there's there won't be animosity between the two. And then Jerry uh, Cardinal is the managing partner of Redbird Capital Partners, which has $4 billion in other assets. So they have the monies. Like I said, the business side of the thing, the things here with the XFL is looking better. So I'm excited to see where they take this um, and how soon they do. Um, if this is something that they're actually going to try to get um, – on for the 2021 season, or if it's going to be later on, um, we'll, we'll see, but I would love to see where this goes. Jet, thank you for bringing it up. There's a quick rumor that Danny Garcia had an interview with ESPN and sports illustrated, and she did hint that they might come back in 2021, but they're not sure as of right now. So it could happen next year, which is awesome. That's awesome. And I'm sure a lot of the current situation with sports being restricted due to the COVID-19 um, outbreak and, and what we're seeing um, with other sports, I think that's going to impact what happens with the XFL and the timing of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, if they're already talking about wanting to get 2021 going, then yeah, that's, that's a great start. Yep. So if you can smell what the rock is cooking, we have the XFL back. Let's go. <laughs> all right. So now what you've all been waiting for is what is the goat, the boat, and the batoat. And that is the discussion of the greatest of all time versus the best of all time versus the most talented of all time, mainly as it pertains to sports. But uh, we're going to dive into that now. What do you say? Oh, absolutely. I've been waiting to talk about this for 18 long months as I've had to hear Maxwell Kellerman of ESPN, a former sports uh, show, talk about how Aaron Rodgers is the boat, the best of all time, even though Tom Brady is the goat. I have been angered by this, and I can't wait to rip into him about this stupid take. So go ahead and do it, man. Lead us off. All right. So first, we just got to take a look and say, all right, the acronyms Tom laid out for us, but also why are we going to focus mainly on football? Well, in baseball, basketball, NHL, these three things are kind of all the same person. I mean, in baseball, it's Babe Ruth, and it's not close. In all honesty, Mike Trout is gaining on him, but he's still way off pace to be better than Babe Ruth. In the NBA, you have Michael Jeffrey Jordan. That's right. It is Michael Jeffrey Jordan. LeBron is gaining on him, but he still has to win about three more titles and not likely to happen. And then the NHL, it's Wayne Gretzky, who is the career leader in points 
assists, and goals. Nuff said. Talk about your hat trick, man. That's Those are the three most important stats in hockey, and he's got them all. So no question about it. I agree with you on the other two as well. So, yeah, a lot of what we're going to talk about today is um, just as it relates to um, the NFL. But know that our discussion really could be applicable uh, across all sports as talking about if there are differences between the greatest and the best and what where does the most talented of all time come into play. Right. So to really delineate between greatest and best, I had to go to Merriam-Webster Dictionary, which uh, I haven't gone to the dictionary since like freshman year of college when I do dictionary reports, but be that as it may. Greatest is, the definition is the superlative of great. Very helpful. <laughs> Which great is means remarkable in magnitude, degree, or effectiveness. And thus the order of ranking things goes great, greater, greatest. So great is very good. Great is even better. And greatest is the best that's ever been around. Meanwhile, best is the most productive of good, offering or producing the greatest advantage, utility, or satisfaction. And when you do rankings, you usually do good, better, best. So that those are so best and greatest are relatively the same exact word. I, I find it interesting that in the definitions of best and greatest, you use best and greatest for the other one. So greatest being the the um, you mentioned something along the lines of uh, greatest being the best of the best and um, best being the greatest one. And so, I mean, really, it seems like they go hand in hand. Yes. And that's kind of why when I first heard it, I yelled at my TV screen, no, 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 that's not how this works. You Max Kellerman, you're poison Ivy League education, trying to act smarter than the rest of us. <laughs> so... Why do I bring this up? Because it's usually directed towards Tom Brady and how he's unathletic, not the most talented. He's clearly not the best, but he just is the greatest. So let's just break down the greatest discussion. Is there anyone greater than Tom Brady at the quarterback position? I'd say no. Oh, heck nah. He is currently second in career passing yards behind only Drew Brees, who just throws the ball like it's a uh, like there are hamburgers on a grill. Just keep flipping them over. Just keep throwing that ball. He is currently second to Drew Brees in career passing touchdowns as well. Who Drew Brees just throws the dang football. There is no run game in New Orleans. He has the most regular season wins at 219. The next closest is Peyton Manning, who's retired at 186. He has the most postseason wins at 30. Joe Montana is second at 16. He's been retired since 1993. I don't think they're catching up to him anytime soon. No. He has the most Super Bowl wins at six. Montana and Bradshaw are tied at second at four. They have been retired since the 80s and 90s, respectively. And then he has the most Super Bowl appearances at nine. Behind him is John Elway at five. He has been retired since 1998. Need I say more about him being the greatest of all time? I don't disagree with you that he is the greatest of all time. Um, like you said, he leads in almost every category. Mm -hmm. So the the, uh, the the passing stats that you, you rolled off, 
those are, you know, the, the way that things work in New England has been working for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so why change it? And obviously, I mean, obviously things are changing now by going down to Tampa. But during his tenure at, in New England, they had a system that worked. And so they didn't need to overuse the passing game. Um, whereas in New Orleans, there are, there are those weapons at um, wide receiver. So you can utilize them. And Drew Brees has been able to do that over his his time. But the things that stuck out to me were the winning stats of those over those who have been retired for a number of years. I mean, Peyton Manning, it's been what five, six, well, five years since he's been yeah, retired. Yeah, five five years because Cam Newton was the MVP in 2015, and the the Broncos beat him in the Super Bowl, and then Manning retired afterwards. Mm-hmm. Right. So five five years, and he's got almost 40 games over uh, on him. Um, and and then the others who've been retired since the nineties, probably <laughs> around the time you and I were born. I mean, yeah. and he's already beaten those records and he's still active. That's what I think stands out. It's not that he just beat him and then retired. He beat him and then keep <laughs> kept, yeah, yeah. excuse me, using the right verbiage here, kept winning, kept going on, kept getting those Super Bowl appearances and wins. And so I think what really stands out is not that he's just getting the stats to the point where he's one over or 10 over or whatever. He is now continuing to win, continuing to produce and uh, continuing to succeed. And we're going to continue to see him play more and more and, and get those stats added on. So I think that is what, puts him into the greatest of all time category is the continuation of greatness over the years, even beyond the point where he beat the greats of the eighties the and nineties. Yeah. I mean, even stats like yards and touchdowns, they're kind of hard to compare because passing is so much different than it was even the eighties and nineties. So it's a hard thing to say that he's better because he has yards. I mean, if you look at running backs in the NFL, you could argue Jim Brown's the greatest of all time, and he's better than, but he has less yards and touchdowns than Emmitt Smith, Barry Sanders, Walter Payton. But the argument is there based on his greatness and how good he was at the position. So stats as they are are kind of subjective at times to use, but quarterback wins, you can't really argue that. Right. Quarterback wins, Super Bowl wins, playoff wins. I mean, you really, you really can't argue with that stats because those stats, excuse me, because I mean, it's not just getting to a number on passing yards and passing touchdowns because those t- yards and touchdowns don't mean anything if you're not winning. Now I won't say that Drew Brees hasn't done anything because obviously oh. he's a very successful quarterback, but Tom Brady doesn't have the yards and the touchdowns. And yet he's still the mo- the, the winningest quarterback of all time. By far, which is it. It's astonishing how far beyond he is of everyone else. It's ridiculous. It's incredible, really. Yeah. It's, if you will, great. Great. Now, the better conversation. If better and great, if best and greatest are exactly the same words, how can anyone be better than the greatest? That is my question. Tom, do you have a rebuttal for this? Because I don't know how you can rebut rebut it. And I told you right before we got started on this, I'm still trying to formulate my opinion. And... Um, you know, with with your definitions, you can't really argue that the best and the greatest aren't all that different based on their dictionary definition. Mm-hmm. As it applies to sports, I don't think there's that much of a difference either. But if someone, if you say that someone is the best in the league, are they the greatest of all time? 
Absolutely not. No. I mean, you could have someone who's having a great year or a great couple of years, but we're not talking about the best in 2019, the best in 1990. We're talking about the best of all time. And you cannot say that someone is the greatest without also calling them the best because the best is the top tier when comparing to other things, other people, other, I mean, you could use that. I mean, when you're talking about the best movie of all time, the best actor of all time, the best ice cream of all time, really <laughs> it's, it's anything you're talking about the, the cream of the crop. And so I think we have to say that Tom Brady is the best of all time in the NFL for the same reasons that we said that he's the greatest. Right. I, the argument I hear mostly from ESPN and the Mexico and Stephen A's and all those Aaron Rodgers fanboys is that Aaron Rodgers is clearly better than Tom Brady. He just doesn't have the greatest, the achievements of Brady. I'm like, wouldn't that go hand in hand at some point in time that if you're better, you also get achievements? That seems to happen in every other sport. Why not football? I agree with you. If someone truly is better than Tom Brady, why don't they have the statistics and the wins and the Super Bowl rings to back it up? Now, the other, and part of that is they say, well, he's had Bill Belichick for 20 years. This is where I say that it – Brady came first, then Belichick, and I can explain this, and you're and you're going to be shocked when I go through the numbers as to why it's Brady, not Belichick. All right, lay it on me. So Bill Belichick was a head coach in Cleveland, of all places, for his first go-around. Now, let me preface by saying this isn't the Cleveland Browns of today, which are a sorry excuse of a franchise. This is the Cleveland Browns that upped and moved to Baltimore and are now the Ravens. So it was a very good franchise. He was 36 and 44, so he was sub 500 there in five seasons, making the playoffs once. Before he was a head coach, they went to the playoffs four out of the last six seasons, so they went backwards when he became head coach. They didn't improve, they got worse. Not a good sign. Nope. When he came to New England in 2000, he had Drew Bledsoe at quarterback. For those of you who do not know who Drew Bledsoe is, he was a very talented quarterback, drafted first overall in the Oh, gosh. I looked that up. It might have been the 93-94 draft. I Sorry, I did not check this beforehand. So please, me too. so please check me on that and send some notes about this because uh, Bledsoe was very good, strong-arm quarterback. He was actually, I think, directed by Bill Parcells when he was the head coach in New England, so he was well uh, sought of by a good head coach. And I did just check that, Chris, just uh, real quick. Yeah. It was 1993. Okay. Woo. <laughs> Pulled that out of my butt, but uh, I'll take it. <laughs> but Bledsoe was a very good quarterback throughout his career. Uh, he even wanted to start for the Bills and the uh, Cowboys after he left New England. Uh, he got replaced in Buffalo because the Bills went downhill because they're the Bills. And then he got replaced in Dallas. He got old and just couldn't throw the ball anymore. He got replaced by one Tony Romo. So, yeah, so he's got get into the Tony Romo discussion. Yeah, so, but in the first year in 2000, Bledsoe and the Patriots went 5 and 11. That was a, I think, a one game improvement from the year before. So, if you want to call an improvement, I would say a a dead clock is right twice a day. (laughs) So, that might explain one more win. Then in 2001, a year we all remember as the beginning of this dynasty in New England. 
the team was was about to go 0 and 2 when Bledsoe got destroyed. I mean, his back looked like it was broken in two. It looked like he got rock bottomed. It was bad. And Tom Brady steps in. What happens then? Pictures going to run, win a Super Bowl, beating the greatest show on turf, the St. Louis Rams. Sorry, St. Louis, for bringing that up. Still a sore, sore subject, even almost 20 years later, but, and not for me, being no. a Bears fan. Yeah. I don't mind talking about it. Yeah, but for our Rams fans out there, you, you might want to cover your ears for that bat- yeah, last it, part. Sorry, it's a little, the warning's a little late, but. Yeah, sorry. We, we don't do trigger warnings. Sorry. We, we don't really care about that stuff. Because we're not here to talk about the Rams. We're t- here to talk about yeah. how that that year, that was the beginning yeah. of greatness for Tom Brady yeah. because he didn't have the the greatest no. start oh, to no. his career. Drafted in the sixth round was, I mean, probably uh, if he had run any slower in his 40 time, he'd have been going backwards. I mean. You could time it was, with a calendar. It was that slow. That's right. <laughs> Where'd you hear that one again? Uh, that was originally said about Dirk Nowitzki by his trainer when he Dirk was talking about going into the gym to work out, and his trainer said your debt, your your speed is time for the calendar. Same probably could have been applied to Tom Brady. Overall, com- like good quarterback out of uh, Michigan, right? Out yep, of Michigan, Michigan. but um, combine not the greatest performance. So I mean. Definitely was a sixth-round pick, but made the most out of that through his career. He was patient and then made the most of his time when he got the opportunity, and look where he is now. I mean, this is where – I mean, he's he's gone from uh, a level that's kind of middle of the road, if you will, from where he was, he was picked to now the best player, the greatest player of all time discussions. Yeah. So it has to be said, he was drafted in 2000. He was the fourth-string quarterback when he was drafted. He wasn't even backup. He was the bottom of the death chart on the practice squad, essentially. Makes it up to the number two starter in a year, which tells you the hard work he put in. And then goes on to beat the greatest show on turf in Super Bowl. Yes, we know Tuck rule in o- against Oakland in the playoffs. I understand. That was a rule, though. Sorry, Oakland fans. The rule was taken out the next year, but it was a rule at the time. Sorry. <laughs> Again, sorry for the, the late trigger warning on uh, the Tommy Tuck, but. It, it was a rule. Sorry. It was a rule. You got yeah. to say it. Someone had to. I mean, his stats weren't immaculate that year. I mean, if you look back, he wasn't even that good in terms of statistics, but they were winning games and no one knew how. You Something has to say about winning football games. It's not just statistics. Right. There's a lot more that goes into winning than just throwing passes, completing passes, and uh, or handing off the ball. It is a, a team effort, but he was a leader of that team and put all the pieces of that puzzle together and has done so consistently over his career. And so I think that's what, that's what makes him the greatest, the best, whatever word you want to call it, is he didn't necessarily do everything himself, right. but he led the team to do that. Yeah. And so, like we said before, he went 21964 in the regular season, 30 and 11 in the postseason with six rings. And yes, he did miss, I believe it was roughly 16, uh, my bad, 19 games in that run with his torn ACL in 2008. The team went 11 and 5, which I had to get another shot in at Max Kellerman for this. He loves to say, well, the Pitchers went 11 and 5 the year Brady towards ACL. 
you do realize the year before they went 18 and one and lost in the Super Bowl to the Giants. So they went backwards five games and missed the playoffs. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, what, what's your response to that, old Maxi boy? I mean, it's uh, it, it it's hard to say that that a team is bad uh, just yeah. naturally from one year to another when their their leader is on the sideline. You cannot definitively say that um, that has no involvement in, right. in the reasoning behind it. And then he did miss four games for Deflategate. That's on subject for another time. Another thing I could rant all day about, so I'll leave it there. They did go 3-1 and one with Jimmy Garoppolo, who was just in the Super Bowl with the Niners, so a good quarterback. And Jacoby Brissett, who was a, was a starter in Indy. Not great, but he's at least a starting caliber quarterback. I mean, again, two guys made the most of their opportunities on the field, um, went elsewhere, played more. I mean, you can't really ask for much more than taking advantage of playing behind the greatest quarterback of all time. He goes down, he sits out, whatever the case may be, you get your chance. And, I mean, at that point, with a quarterback as good as he is, with as durable as he has been in general over the years, that's kind of what you have to hope for is, you know, not hope for him to be out for any terrible reason, but hope for a chance to really get on the field at some point just to show what you, what you can do for other teams to then give you a lot more long-term opportunity. Yeah, and this is not to say coaching doesn't matter. It obviously matters a lot more oh, football absolutely. than it does in baseball or basketball or even hockey probably. We don't know much about hockey. We're not saying it doesn't matter. We're just saying that it's not likely to matter more than it does in football. But it's clear the Belichick way was not working before Tom Brady and only worked after Brady because Brady established a culture that made it flourish. I agree, man. Couldn't agree more. Now, that being said, can someone surpass him in the long run? Yes, but it will be very, very difficult. It would take a long career to do so, a long successful career to do so, um, and in general just due to the um, – decline of, of players durability over the, the the years. I mean, we don't see a lot of guys lasting 10 to 12 years in the league. So, I mean, this is, this is not unheard of in, in some sports, but the NFL, it's harder on players naturally. Right. So you're not likely going to see someone be successful for as long as Brady has been successful. Like you said, it is possible but it's going to take a very special player to do so to win in those categories mm-hmm. and continue to win from pretty much start to finish in their career. It's it's going to take a long, successful winning career to do it. Yeah. And the other problem is that the NFL is changing even now. So there will be 17 games in 2021. So that's an extra chance to get a win. So now wins get cheaper. There's going to be a seventh playoff seed coming up in 2021. Now playoff appearances, get cheaper defenses cannot do anything except hit you with a pillow at this point so it's easier to rack up yards making it easier to get more numbers so the only thing comparable at this point in time is super bowl wins so you either had to be super great in the stats and win three or four super bowls or you had to put up comparable stats and win six or seven super bowls so it's a tough task to get to that level i agree but Given that records are meant to be broken, I 
I'd like to see someone get to that point because then we get to have this discussion oh. again. Oh, we can have a discussion. We'll this podcast in 15 years and we can have oh. another discussion of oh, yeah. you know, another, another Tom Brady like who is, uh, who's putting up the numbers, getting the wins, getting the mm -hmm. rings. Now I will say this. I would say Pat Mahomes is on pace to do so because he has looked unconscionably good at times. And it's just unbelievable watching him play quarterback. However, there was a, a bad man out of Green Bay who looked to be just as good, got paid, and all of a sudden the team went wasn't winning playoff games. So it could happen that he doesn't get to that level because he took money. Are you talking about the A.A. Ron Rodgers? Yes. Yeah, he was once considered to be the next greatest quarterback of all time, and it just didn't pan out. Is it the franchise's fault? Is it Aaron's fault? Who knows? But there was a difference. When he got paid, the team did not do as well in reaching Super Bowls. And I don't think you can place blame in, in, on anyone in particular in that situation. It, it just happened to be that, you know, once once he got that, that big paycheck and, and once things started to really go well financially for him, you should should say, um, the timing of it really matched up and, and there's, you can look at it and analyze it a hundred different ways. Yeah. But, um, the, the fact of the matter is he's not on the same pace that he was earlier on. No, I think part of it is that the salary cap did not increase as much as people expected in those early years. And like Mahomes conjures like what half a billion dollars. It's like, it's ridiculous. But the problem is the salary cap is projected to go down next year to 175 million which means there will be cuts on the Chiefs and they can't really cut anyone if they want to continue with the dynasty. It's like that uh, the Patrick Starr meme that you see going around um, where he's holding up three bucks. And it's like any Chiefs player going into contract negotiations yeah. after Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs are like, I have three dollars. <laughs> yeah, that's that's about where they're at right now. Everything, and I'm not saying it's unwarranted to give oh, uh, Mahomes oh, yeah. that on. I mean, it, it's I mean, half a billion is a lot of money for yeah. anybody. That's a huge contract. But to say that he doesn't deserve it, oh yeah. I mean, I, I don't think you can because right. he is he is a very very talented quarterback, which I think could lead into our our last. Point of the Matote, the most oh. talented of all time. And for a lot of the guys that are still in their career, still early on, relatively, you can't really even bring them into the conversation, but you can say that they might be on pace. And I think Pat Mahomes is one of them. He is a very, very talented quarterback and has the makings of being one of the most talented quarterbacks of all times, uh, all time. And so, but only time will tell of whether the the stats and the wins and the Super Bowls were actually pan out for him. Mm -hmm. He's already obviously got the one, but he's not, I mean he's not even in the same category as Brady at this point yeah. based on stats and wins alone. Yeah. And so er, I, I think that he has the makings, but he's not he's not there. Obviously, he's early on, so what, we can't really accurately analyze whether he's going to be a great quarterback. All we can see right now is he is a He's one of the most talented athletes in the league right now. Oh, yeah. Now, for my totes, I don't argue Brady. I will say you had to throw him out of that list. There is way more talented quarterbacks than Tom Brady. Like we said, his 40 time is time of the calendar. 
Uh, he can't really move. He can't really throw on the run. It's not great. So I, you can say Lamar Jackson's on pace because that man can run with the football. If he only throw the ball better, he would be unstoppable. It would he would be better than Pat Mahomes. That's how good he is running the football. Uh, right, and I, and I think that an important thing to note with the discussion of who is the most talented of all time, or even just the most talented currently, is just because they are the most talented doesn't mean that they are going to be the greatest or the best. Right. Because if they're the most talented on a team of scrubs, then they're not going to ever get to be the best because they're not going to win. Right. And Talent remember, doesn't equal wins all the time. It just helps you get there. I mean, remember Michael Vick back before the whole dogfighting stuff happened, but he was uh, he was uh, he was a video game character. Oh, yeah. It was ridiculous. No one could stop him. And then the Bears gave him a bl- blueprint and said, cover two and stick Brian Urlacher on him and you shut him down. But he was so clearly more talented than everyone else. It was just ridiculous. Oh yeah, he was he was head and shoulders above at that time, and until he got figured out, and so that that's what I think kind of separates great from talent, mm-hmm. uh, the greatest from the talented is the talented are good, but they might be single faceted. Yeah. I mean, the the greatest will adapt and they will win no matter what. The most talented might just have you know they might be the one trick pony mm-hmm. that gets them through. To where they can, and, I, and I'm not saying that this is right. Pat Mahomes. I'm not saying that this was oh, Michael Vick. I'm not no, saying no, 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 about no. anyone in particular. I'm just saying about talent in general. They they might not have a whole bag of tricks, and yeah. this might be their their one thing. They ride it out for as long as they can, as they can, and once they get figured out, they're done because they can't adapt the way that great players can. I mean, yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, Dan Marino is a Hall of Famer, and I would say he's way more talented than Tom Brady. Neither one can run, but you watch Dan Marino throw a football, and you tell me who's better throwing a football. It's Dan Marino, and it's not close. And he could still probably do that, too. Oh, yeah. Well, not really. His, his shoulder's kind of dead. He doesn't want to retire. But he could when he was slinging it, he was slinging it. I mean, it was – I'm sure he can, he can toss a golf ball from across the green, though. Oh, yeah. He, oh, probably. So when we say – the GOAT, the greatest of all time, the boat, the best of all time, and most talented of all time. I believe Max Kellerman is trying to argue Aaron Rodgers is the most talented of all time, not the best of all time, because best and greatest are way too similar to try to delineate delineate out a difference unless you're trying to give it a different connotation than his dictionary definition. And that's where I wanted to play devil's advocate with you here. It, I mean, I, let's just say I'm playing Max Kellerman here. Oh, so, please do. The, gra- the greatest of all time, Tom Brady, uncontested. Yes. Okay. But, and that is because he has taken what has been given to him and he has won and he has won at the highest level and he has um, uh, gotten more ring, Super Bowl rings than anyone. But the best uh, is the best than just someone who wins consistently, may have may have more yardage, may have better stats, but doesn't necessarily have the Super Bowls to back it up. Is is that maybe what he was going for? Is this is a guy who, uh, speaking to Rodgers, won, did very well, was very accurate with the football. In fact, he was featured on Sports Science because he was that accurate, um, but he doesn't have the Super Bowls to back it up. Is is that where we're what we're talking about here? And, uh, I mean, I'm on the same page with you personally, but – Again, trying to play the other side here, is that maybe what Kellerman was talking about? 
That's exactly what he's talking about, but let me shred that to pieces once again. Please do. Okay, so Aaron Rodgers being better. I believe if you look it up, Brady and Rodgers have the same amount of MVPs, which means that at their peaks, they've both been equal in terms of better or good. If you look at top five in yards and touchdowns, they're about even in that regard. The only thing you might have is is passing accuracy, which is a subjective stats because Rodgers just is more accurate, but Brady will throw the ball away or throw it away from someone, making it look like it's an incomplete pass, but it's really a throwaway. So it messes with the stats when you think about it. Right. And and really saying they're a more accurate quarterback, it it requires the situation to be accurate. Right. In, like, you know, threading the needle, yeah. throwing to the back corner of the end zone when it's necessary, the, mm-hmm. those, those long, high arching right. passes. But what quarterback can't hit their man when they need to? Right. And so, uh, I mean, that's a rhetorical question of yeah. Yeah, there's obviously a lot of quarterbacks that can't, but like George Trubisky. <laughs> and oddly enough, he plays for our, our hometown boys. But um, I mean, at, at the great and, and good at great and, and best level, great and better level of, of the league, what quarterback isn't consistently hitting and their, their wideouts and thus making them accurate. So again, like you said, it's a subjective statistic that requires the situation to be pinpoint accurate. Tom Brady probably, I mean, he didn't have to be that accurate in those situations because he wasn't always in those situations. Aaron Rodgers made the most of those scenarios. And so like, I, I mean, I commend him for that. And it really, he really was a freak of nature for a while there when, I mean, especially around the time that he was featured on sports science because of the number of times that he was able to hit that point and how, the, the small margin of error that it was, but that in itself does not make him the best player based on accuracy because, I mean, Brady is hitting his, his wideouts the same percentage of the time, if not more. And I mean, really being accurate is completing passes. Yeah. Is it not? I, I mean, right. I mean, you could argue that Rogers has a better arm. He, that's easy. Yeah, you're not going to argue that that Rogers Rogers has a better arm and he can oh, escape yeah. the pocket and throw the ball sure. better. So like, yeah, that's more talented. But Brady can dodge in the pocket, and Brady's not hammered by an ankle injury. Every time Rogers' ankle goes out, he's much much worse. So you want to bring in like injury risk. Brady doesn't get hurt, and even when he is hurt, there is no difference in play. Rogers gets a hurt ankle, and now he's all of a sudden an average quarterback. So who really is better at that point? Right, and and I think that that's a that's a very good point. And so, um, again, really, just you you just shredded my my devil's advocate a, a, a you know point here with uh, trying to take Callerman's side of things just to get your your take on it. And I'm glad you did because honestly, I feel the same way that you do. But I wanted to see the other side of it here and, and kind of get into Kellerman's head, which is hard to do and the scary thought in itself. So uh-huh. um, let's try to stay out of there as much as we can. Yes. But, um, and I don't, going back to the, the most talented, I don't think that we really can pinpoint one person because right. there have been so many incredibly talented and not just quarterbacks, but players. Right. I mean, really when we're talking about the greatest of all time in this category, in this um, discussion, it's, it's really just about quarterbacks. Right. Because, I mean, when you're talking about the greatest running backs of all time, the greatest wide receivers, the greatest linemen of all time, you mm-hmm. could t- talk about anything yeah. really with it. But 
I mean, really in this discussion, this conversation, we're going with the quarterbacks because there is that much of a discussion on, well, Brady is great, but is he the best? And what's the difference? Where's the talent? Is there better talent coming up ahead? And I think there is great talent coming up ahead, but only time will tell if that talent ever becomes great. Right. And I think part of that is, Football's positions are so much more diverse than they are in other sports. Like baseball, you can tell who's better between a center fielder and a, and a first baseman based on the requirements of that position. It's not a difficult stretch you can compare them. Or in football, how do you compare a quarterback to a left tackle? You can't really do so outside of what, how much value they bring on the field. I mean, Jerry Rice, is you could argue, is the greatest football player of all time because he owns every single receiver stat that exists. He has it. Therefore, you argue he's the greatest of all time. So that's why it's so hard to do that in football. Right. It's not a one-to-one conversation when you're talking about the different positions. So really, when we're just when we're talking about this, it's um, it's only applying to the quarterbacks in this discussion. We we could have you know 22 different discussions for 22 different yeah. positions, mm-hmm. and um, have also. I mean, really not. Um, because you got multiple wideouts and all that and yeah. running backs and whatever. You, I mean, you, you get my point. We yeah. can have a conversation for every position on the field. And it, I mean, this is the most definitive we could say at the quarterback position though. Right. Uh, Max Hillman, you've already stepped into the grindhouse. You're welcome. I will take you on. I would love to just shred this point because this point, because it, it, it frustrates me when I had to listen to this nonsense and that stupid cliff theory. Don't get me started. So that's the motivation, folks out there. Get this thing a lot of a lot of downloads, a lot of plays, a lot of listens, and you, you might just get to see Chris take on Kellen. Oh. Only in our dreams, but it, it, I mean, we could get there eventually. I'd love and, to see it. And Tom knows I hate getting dressed up in a suit. I will show up to first a suited and booted, ready to go to battle. And here, here's how much I want to see that. You go on Kellerman, I'll buy you that suit too. Okay. Deal. <laughs> Deal. All right, but enough of that. I know that the, the greatest of all time discussions can get kind of heated at times. I don't think we quite got there today, but let's go with something a little bit lighter, a new segment that we are calling the Ocho Sport of the Week. Oh, buddy, it's going to get funny. And we're talking about uh, the the wacky world of unusual sports from ESPN 8, The Ocho. You may remember them from the movie Dodgeball, but it became a real thing. I think because of the the movie, (laughs) this is just a landing spot for all of those sports, if you want to use that term loosely for some of these, um, that aren't going to make it on the mainstream media. But this is a good place to highlight them because some of them really are deserving. Oh, yeah, especially this first one, the first ever Slippery Stairs World Championship. (laughs) Sorry, I just laugh whenever I I say it out loud. Because it doesn't sound like it should be a real thing. Oh, gosh. Slippery Stairs Championship. All right, so explain what this is for the folks at home. I mean, it it is exactly what it sounds like, but explain – what happens? It, we gotta. Yeah. I, I, this is where I wish we had video because oh, yeah. 
we, we would have to show a clip there just to watch this. For, for those of you that um, have not seen this before, which I'm guessing is a lot of people because <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a wacky thing. You got to go out and go on, uh, on, on the Google or on the YouTube and just check out Slippery Stairs Championship. It's, it, it, it will be a good use of your time. You, you'll be laughing. I'm not going to say it's a good use of your time because it's, <laughs> it, there, there's better things to do with a, you know, a five, 10 minute clip, but it's, it's wacky enough that it's going to grab your attention. This is good for your mental health. So I would say it's a good use of your time given these circumstances we are in. It's a mental health investment. Yes. So what this entails, there's inflatable stairs. Yes. I said inflatable stairs about what, what did you say? 20, 30 feet in the air. Oh, at, at least. It's apex. So yeah. And it's covered in slippery slime, as they call it. I don't know if it's just a baby oil mixture or something, but it's rather slippery, as the name entails. And they sometimes throw inflatable balls or random stuff at the comparison as they try to climb up the stairs, which is even more wacky because you're getting beat with something as you're trying to climb up. And they're wearing full latex and body suits as they're trying to climb up, which means you slip, you go down the stairs. <laughs> this is a full contact sport, people. Yes. I mean, the, all right. So the 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 body suits that they're wearing, and then the the elbow knee pads, the gloves, the crash helmets. No. I mean, if you don't get a visual out of that, <laughs> I mean, come on. So the the body suits. That's just so that there's nothing that can they can like no piece of skin no. is exposed no. for them to like try to use their their gut or their their legs or um, the inside of their armpits or whatever to get get up the stairs really it's all just you gotta muscle it up i mean that's that's all it was so these they all start at the bottom and um the stairs are pre-slimed that just that in my it doesn't sound like i should ever use the word (laughs) pre-slimed in a sentence sounds rather dirty when you put it that way it does uh, and i don't really want to come back to this one but we're going forward with it so it's pre-slimed just um and then the 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 bell goes off. They all start running. There's probably what five, six of them that start uh, it running fi- up. It was five in the first round. Five in the first round, um, and they'll they'll start running up. They'll have water guns filled with this this stuff yeah. that will make them slip down. And I'll say, all right, it looks like the the soap that you might use in, in like a, a baby bath or something yeah. like that. It's real. It looks real thick. Yeah. And it, so it's not going to just wash off with water or anything. So they're throwing more of the, the slippery stuff on them. They're throwing balls at you and coming down. And to make it even better, there's no rule saying that you cannot <laughs> grab the person in front of you and just pull them back down. You could take Ooh. all five of you with <laughs> five of them with you and you're all starting back over and there's no penalties because you know why? It's a made up sport. So you can make up whatever rules you want. I love it. I mean, the the men just went at it. it whoever got a league, I grabbed by the ankles and shoved down, and they all went back to the bottom every single time. It took forever. I don't think they got uh, in the one that we saw anyway. I don't think anyone got above like, in the men's a third of the way up before everyone came down until like I don't know. It, it was it was several attempts before yeah. someone actually got way ahead. Oh, and there was one. There was one where the. the I, I, can't remember. I think it was the women's got two steps from the top and then got her ankle pulled, come all the way down uh, and everyone started over. So it was, it's not yeah, it was pretty the guys. It's all right. That was you guys. All right. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's not pretty, yeah. but it's fun to watch. It's, it almost looked like it was taking place at a state fair 
I think that, it was. This, this is the kind of sport that screams state fair to me. Like I could, I could see this just happening in a cornfield in Iowa somewhere. Oh, oh! By the way, we didn't tell you how you win. You had to climb to the top and ring a bell that's on a podium. Congratulations, you guys at the top now ring the dang bell. Yep, that's 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 your big achievement. You rang a bell, and then that's just the first round. You got five people. Then you go head to head with the winner of the second heat. I think it's the other four go back at it again, yeah. and then you you have a one v one for the championship. So, I mean, what's stopping you then from just like here? Let me just tackle you, and we'll just wrestle for a while until you're tired, and then I'll try, <laughs> try to crawl my way up the top. I think I mean, it was that insane. way for the. I think it's that way for the women because they ended up in a tie in the final race, so they had to do it one more for the for oh, the oh, the shebang. And the, the dudes, it was it's just a top three. I think that was the goal. It was just the women were just so they there's a point system that we don't know and don't understand. So we don't we won't tell you how it works. And we're not going to invest time into learning the point system because it's slippery stairs. It's I mean the only one who really the only people who really care about it are the ones who are watching it in person or competing for it. It's just it's weird. And if you thought that was weird. We're going to get into more things just like that. We're going to bring the Ocho Sport of the Week back every once in a while just to hit you with some some wackiness. Oh, I hope we find some good ones like a squirrel surfing on a lake. <laughs> you read my mind. I think that's the next one. I think that's next week, right? Uh, we'll see if we can find that. Hopefully we can find that. <laughs> Let's get serious because this is... Tom's take. All right, folks, after that, I think it's time we, we get a little Tom's take in our lives here and uh, coming at you this week with one about YouTubers. And you're probably wondering why. It's because I'm, pro I'm a little bit jealous of some of these YouTubers. I'm not going to lie here. So uh, YouTubers can make a living now by posting videos to YouTube. I'm also going to um, include uh, Mr. Ninja, who, who makes a lot of money playing uh, professional video games and posting the videos online of it. And yeah, we'll get we'll get into that one a bit here. So I'm going to talk about how I don't understand how this became a career path for people. I mean, you have people who are not much older than you and I, Chris. I mean, you got people mostly in like their late teens, early 20s, and then you got some that are going into their mid 30s who are making tens of millions of dollars by posting vlogs um, online every day of their lives. Like, and I mean, I'm talking about things here. I'm listening to myself talk for five minutes on this segment. Why can't someone pay me? $20 million a year to hear that. And I know the honest answer to that. So you trolls in the comments and uh, who are going to send us an email about this. Obviously, so no one wants to hear you for $20 million. I know no one wants to hear me for $20 million. I think your wife has told you that before. <laughs> I mean, she's not wrong. So no, uh, let's, let's be honest here. But I want to tell you about a, a few of these. So one... Dude, perfect. About 11 years in the making, these guys make trick shot videos. They have, I mean, they've, they've gotten into a whole business 
behind it. And they have a whole uh, lot of things that go into the business of Dude Perfect, but they got their start for the first several years just making trick shot videos. And they got into making these stereotype videos, which are hilarious, you know, basketball stereotypes, football stereotypes. They even just did one that was uh, quarantine stereotypes. It's hilarious. I love it. And, you know, and if you haven't gotten a chance to watch their documentary, it really shows a lot of the behind the scenes of why they do what they do and um, what goes into the making of their their shows, their videos, and their live tour that they had last summer. So they're one, and they're all early 30s, uh, like think, 32, 33. I think early 30s or late 20s at, at the youngest, I think. Right. They were, I mean, they were in college in 2009 when they posted that first video. Oh, yeah, so they're so, 30s. They're I mean, like, 30s then. Yeah, so, 30s, yeah. but that that brand of Dude Perfect is worth north of $20 million now. That something that started as just trick shot videos, and I know a lot of work has gone into this. The documentary really dives into it. You can find that on YouTube. But it just it, it's uncanny to me because I watched that as a freshman in high school. I watched that video, and I'm just like, oh, that's really cool. These guys just made a bunch of baskets in their backyard. And then fast forward 11 years, and they ha now have this this franchise that is been built up from that really humble beginning in college. So like that's, that's just uncanny to me. It, it's, it's really cool to see, but I think some of that also kind of led into people being able to make more money off of YouTube because now there are people who, I mean, you, you could ask someone from Gen Z and um, their answer could be, yeah, I want to grow up and be a YouTuber because there's a lot of other trailblazers, if you will, that have made it appear that this is a viable career choice. I mean, excuse me, just I got to catch my breath after that. You've got um, you've got guys like PewDiePie. He's got a hundred, what, almost a hundred million subscribers, and he made thirteen million dollars last year. And a lot of what he does is um, just uh, it's it's interesting what he does and i'm not going to condone some of the controversial things that he's brought up i'm not even going to um bring up what it is but you can't deny that he's made a lot of money off of youtube and it, i mean that that's why a lot of kids think that they can do it another one um we're, i'm going to bring up that bring out the big guns for this one it's ryan I'm just going to use the name of his YouTube channel because I, I don't want to butcher his last name, Ryan's World. So he, at the age of three years old, started unboxing toys and playing with them. And then it turned into more like toy reviews. And now he's going to have a show on Nickelodeon and Hulu. And he has a line of toys. And this kid, at the age of Five last year brought in $26 million. The entire Dude Perfect team brings in $20 million. And this kid at the age of five, 26. And just to put that in perspective, I'm going to list off a few athletes and, and their salaries. Giannis from the Bucks, salary alone, just looking at salary alone, $19.6 million last year. LeBron, in salary alone, 28.2. So this kid is making almost as much as LeBron did in a year and more than other basketball players. Let's uh, let's get a different one. Rory McIlroy from the PGA, 22 million. 
This kid is making more money reviewing toys than professional athletes. And I feel the need to bring that up because we are a sports podcast. And so I, it, it makes me kind of almost sick inside to see this because someone that young making a lot of money at that age, it has the potential to really skew the rest of their, their childhood, if nothing else, but the rest of their, their life, because they won't have an, he, he won't have a normal childhood after this. He is famous. He, I mean, he's got a lot of, uh, of followers, he's had millions of followers. And now he's got the TV show and everything like that. And what we know from past childhood stars, child actors, is that it's not like it's a given that they're going to turn out poorly, but it's not a given that just because they're making millions of dollars now that they're going to turn out and have a great life. I mean, there's too many crackhead stories uh, of, you know, kids just the money goes to their head or the, the Hollywood scene really catches them and draws them in and you don't want to see it. I'm not going to say that that is going to happen. I really don't want it to happen, but I just hope for the sake of these kids, because there's another one from uh, making what uh, 18 million. She's from Russia, just moved to the U S with her family. I mean, and, and she's about five, six years old too. You, you don't want to see someone go down the path that you've seen child stars go down. And I feel like YouTube is just going to be the next Avenue to do so. But I also could see, you know, this, this kid is, has created a brand off his name of, of toys. And so I, I think that he's got a good approach of making a business out of this, as opposed to just making a name for himself, because then things are, are really dependent on the name of the business, the success of the business, as opposed to just Ryan doing Ryan's thing. So, and I think that's why we've seen a lot of success with um, teams like Dude Perfect is, you know, it's not just one guy and it's, I'm just going to use the, the um, guy who tends to be the leader in that group. It's not the Tyler Tony show. It's, it's not um, just the individual from the team. It's all of them together, creating content, running this business. And um, you've seen that with a lot of others as well. I mean, um, one that I wa like to watch is uh, Matt Carricker from Demolition Ranch. Um, combined 11 million subscribers between his two, um, three channels that he's got because he's got Vet Ranch and Off the Ranch too, has created a business from it with Bunker Branding. It's an apparel company, um, ran a, a knife company. He's still a, a practicing veterinarian, however much he does that. And so it's, it, it's not just YouTube is the only way to make money off of their internet stardom. And so I think the, the important thing for someone in this position, and obviously I have no, no experience with it, is, is not to bank on a, a becoming a celebrity off of this, but create something else from it. And, and I think that that is, that's really um, what this rant, this Tom's take is about. It's not that I'm jealous that some kid is making $20 million off of reviewing toys even though it kind of is. It's the fact that I want to see, I don't want to see this kid peddling for change on a street corner um, in 20 years because he threw away everything he had trying to um, do everything for himself. And it doesn't seem like he's getting 
um, that that bad start off to this. He's creating things from this opportunity. So uh, I I want to see where this takes him in a few years when obviously he's a little bit older and not quite into the uh, the kids' toy reviewing phase anymore, but when he's maybe actually creating more things out of this. And so um, YouTubers, whether it's a, a, a viable career for, for all, I don't think it is. A lot of people have been very successful with it and can, if they can make it work, that's great. But I can tell you, it's not for me. There's a reason we have the face for radio and the voice for a silent movie is, you know, I, I'm not the type who's just going to be on camera talking about myself for a half an hour and have millions of people watch it or listen to it. So it, it's not for me, but kudos to you if you can make it work. Yeah, I agree. I think the, my issue is more or less like all the kids just grow up watching YouTube. So they all want to be like these YouTube stars. So, and it's not that difficult to, make a video and post to YouTube. So they think, why do I need to go to school? Why do I need to try hard at stuff? I can just do this and make money off that. And it's not a realistic expectation for everybody. And if you're good at it, kudos, go ahead and go with it. But you, we need doctors, we need lawyers, we need, a, we need astronauts for, for Pete's sakes now. So right. we, we need people going into other things besides just, I want to be famous. Right. And, and I think that some influences uh, that are saying, yes, you don't have to go to school. You don't have to do this. You can always do YouTube. I mean, that's, it, it's an unrealistic expectation um, that uh, you don't want kids to be disappointed by when they realize that it's not as easy as it looks. I'm sure a lot of work has gone into these uh, channels that are now becoming businesses and, and really um, enterprises. So I, I think that, um, I mean, for example, um, Mr. Beast is a channel that's got, it, it, he gained what, 20 million subscribers it, within a year. He, he has been doing YouTube for a number of years, but within one year got 11 or, or 12 or, or whatever, got up north of, of 20 million subscribers. He's nearing 40 million now. Dropped out of college because he was starting to get the ball rolling with YouTube. And obviously, it's done it's done him well because he's very he's making a lot of money doing it. Um, he does ridiculous things, but it, it's it's not the greatest image to say, "Yeah, I dropped out of college and now I'm doing great." You, you can't just say that and expect people to take it at its face value. I think that um, that's just going to, like I said, make kids disappointed because they think that I can drop out of college and make it work just fine, and it's it's not always the case. Not, and that's not to say that college is always the route for a career. There's a lot of trades that you can go into without a college degree, but trying to bank on YouTube shouldn't be your safety net. Right. I would say to the kids out there, college is important for certain stuff. It is not for other degrees. So know what you want to do and figure it out soon. I know it, it sounds harsh, but if you can figure out by 18, you can know whether or not you want to stick yourself in massive debt or not for what you want to do in life. Right. And it's okay to not know what you want to do. It's time now for Chris's cool quote of the week. So I know that we have all these lockdowns and Tom gave an awesome take about YouTube stars and stuff like that. And we have these riots and protests and all this COVID paranoia going on. 
And my quote of the weeks, I've typically provided the humor for you guys to help you guys get through this. But I'm sorry to disappoint you guys. I'm going a little bit more serious with this quote. So the quote this week comes from one Winston Churchill. If you don't know who that is, go back to history class and look him up. He is an absolute genius. The quote is, a pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity. An optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. I would say right now what we have is a one gigantic difficulty and we need to look for opportunities to succeed and grow together rather than what we're doing right now. I agree. A lot of the divide that we've seen during this this time that we're all um, at heightened emotions and everything is kind of tense with the um, COVID situation that we're trying to um, coexist with at this point. Um, and, and really, um, this hits... Uh, a very applicable point of you know today needing to make the most out of the situation that we're in and and not necessarily seeing a difficulty living in the difficulty but seeing a difficulty and overcoming it and saying all right this is the situation that we're in let's get let's get past it i mean even this podcast i mean you and i know about diddly poo when it comes to this stuff we're just trying to make it work and we spent two months researching trying to figure out how are we going to do this how is it going to work yet we may struggle for months could be years we struggle but who cares we're gonna have fun doing it let's just do it anyway right the situation that we're in we would obviously love to do this in person together but uh given that we live three hours apart and um, that the it's not just it's not feasible at this point with the COVID situation. We're making it work over Google Meet. So it's not that you know we're we're apart. Want to make this podcast and that's it. Sorry, we can't because um, that's a difficulty. We found a way around it. It's not ideal, but it, we found a way around it. And so uh, even though we're not um, making money off of this podcast, we're not um, making a living and trying to to survive off of this. It's something that works for us and we wanted to do and uh, we made the most out of that opportunity. Yep. Just a reminder all you kids out there, even if you don't succeed, try, try again. And something You might find something good comes out of it. Amen. All right. So with that being said, please follow our Facebook page for updates regarding our podcast. I know, again, late posts about what we're recording on Friday. We'll be up on Saturday, but we'll get better. We swear. <laughs> Right. This week we uh, we dropped the ball a bit, but uh, we appreciate those who have been following the Facebook page. Um, if you're listening to this and you have not, uh, please go onto Facebook and like and like our posts. And uh, you can also find the link to our Facebook page on our Anchor page. And speaking of our Anchor page, please go to Anchor or Spotify or any of the other platforms to download this episode at the yeah the esopode the episode you know what i mean and any future episodes and any previous episodes that we create we would like to thank all of you probably the tens and tens of people who are listening to our ridiculous takes and ramblings thank you so much next episode's creation date is to be decided i don't believe it will be next week but we will keep you posted on our facebook page and until then Please stay safe and healthy. Sports and more with Chris and Tom is brought to you by 
No one, all non-original thoughts and ideas were properly noted in each segment. Thank <laughs> you.